Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Jesus 911, Virtual Most Powerful Radio, Ruben Naba. One man car today on Soul Patrol. The, uh, the dynamic duel is not today. It's going to be, you know, Jesse's out doing some apostolic work out in Phoenix. You know, what's coming up there in the next uh, couple of weeks that he, uh, he's been talking about. So he's doing some apostolic work out there. And uh, boy, if are you guys fired up from this weekend? If, if you're not, man, you need a transfusion. Man, That what a powerful conference that the Spiritual Warfare Conference was. Um, man, both Father Chad Ripperger and... Uh, Kyle Clement knocked it out of the park. Uh, just it's so deep in and and uh, in their theology and 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 in the field of demonology and deliverance ministry. So many people came away with that with uh, just awe and wonder and the the power of God to work through uh, a priest like Father Chad Ripperger and. Um, so if you didn't get a chance to see it, you're going to want to call VMPR and, and order the, the, uh, the online or the virtual uh, conference so that you can watch it in the privacy of your own home over and over again. And um, good stuff, really good stuff. And I, and I was so glad to have met so many of you. You came up to me and uh, say you're, you're listening to the radio show, you're fans of the show, and... and uh, it's just so good, so awesome to be to know that there's so many of you are in the fight with us, that uh, you, you guys got our back, you guys on Team Jesus, and uh, you know, because I'm nobody special. I'm, you know, the only the only reason I'm here is because I said yes to God. You know, I, I said, Lord, your servant's listening. You know, which what will you have me do? And next thing you know, I mean, I wasn't. Uh, that was the furthest thing from my mind is beyond the radio, but um, here I am, and. <clears throat> So it's, you know, it's like I said, blue collar, blue collar stuff. I, you know, I don't have the theology degrees uh, like, like Jesse and some of the others, but, uh, but I just, I learned from the school of hard knocks, working the streets of, uh, of LA County and uh, cut my teeth on, on a lot of things out there that I saw. It also, um, it prepared me to, to, for my heart to be changed because of what I saw, because of the, the, you know, you see the atrocities, you see the viciousness and the savagery of some people, how they can inflict some of those things on, on others and on another human being. And it, it wears on you. And without a deep faith in Jesus Christ, uh, you know, you could go into some dark places. And, uh, you know, our, our profession has one of the highest suicide rates of all. It's like right up there with the firemen. So... Anyway, I, I did meet a lot of police and firemen to, uh, this weekend. It was great to see you guys. Great to know that you're out there in uniform with the deep faith and love of, of Jesus Christ and his church, his bride, the Catholic Church. So kudos to you guys. Uh, I struck up some good um, relationships with you. So uh, we'll be in touch. And um, yeah, let's let's rock and roll this thing. All right, let's, let's do it, Team Jesus. And uh, today I, I want to... I got some good stories I want to share with you. The first one's a sad one. Uh, it comes from Vietnam. A uh, Dominican priest was murdered while hearing confession. A young Dominican priest who was devoted to serving ethnic groups in Vietnam's Central Highlands has been killed in a knife attack. So, um, 
the uh, the diocese said that uh, he provided pastoral care for Salung uh, Sub Parish in Kontum Province. Was stabbed many times while he was hearing confessions in the church on January twenty ninth. Uh, I mean, that's why I, that's why I like the old box confessions, you know, where the priest can lock his door and and there's curtain, uh, there's walls on the other side, so there can be no allegations of of misconduct and and that you're not the priest is not watching or knowing who he's talking to, and he's he's kind of locked in there. So I don't know what the situation was. I don't have the details, if it was just a curtain and it was out in the open or face to face or or what, but. He was a 40-year-old priest, you know, he, he, he uh, was in the prime of his life. And um, the, the, the killer is reported to have been a drug abuser and was arrested by local police. And uh, it, it's a great loss to the community. And um, the bishops there, he celebrated a funeral mass for the priest. And he was stunned uh, with grief by, his, by the sudden death of, of one of his priests. He never thought such a horrific story would happen before Tet, the Lunar New Year holiday. And he, he, he said the incident was painful but beautiful. People love the deceased father but have much pity on those who are controlled by evil. And, well, we don't know. This guy was a, uh, a drug addict. Um, maybe he, was, he had, he, he had uh, some demons in him. Um, it sounds like he did, you know. Um, we won't know until more information comes out. Uh, he, the uh, bishop noted that the real beauty of the priest is to die while, while offering pastoral care to people. So if we would, let's just say, uh, uh, one, our father for, uh, for father and the name of Nomen Patria Filii Spiritu Sancti, Amen, Pater Noster, Quies in Celi, Sanctificator Nomen Tuum, Adveniat Renium Tuum, Fiat Voluntas Tua, Sigur in Celo and in Terra, Panum Nostro Codudianum de Nobis Hodie, Et demita nobis debita nostra, sicet et nos demitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. In the name of the Padre Filio, et Spiritus Sancti, Amen. So this, uh, this is just a, you know, an incident that it shows you that, you know, that there is evil in the world and that they, and, uh, and you represent as a, as a man of the cloth or, or someone just like ourselves. We're, we're standing up for, for evil, standing up for, uh, for, for Jesus and uh, puts a target on our back. And uh, so, you know, that, that just go, the question is asked, asked well, um, is, is this priest going to be a martyr? Well, we, we can't say that yet. Um, I, I know there was a, the, the most famous guy that I know uh, or heard of, there's a, there's been several, but Saint John Nepomuce Museni. Okay, I think I'm pronouncing it uh, right. Nepomuceni. He he was considered the patron saint for the seal of confession. Uh, in the 14th century, the priest who chose death rather than uh, divulge the content of, of of what was told to him. But so it was it was completely different than than being attacked. But uh, so that we don't know if this is going to be lead to martyrdom, but I know in the church there's certain criteria. Um, just when you think about that priest in in France, the French priest Jacques Hamal, who was killed by two ISIS-linked killers, that caused worldwide shock and outrage. Uh, he was killed while saying mass. Okay, so uh, he was an 85-year-old priest. He had his his throat slit while saying mass. Uh, 
Some say that his blood was literally mingled with that of Jesus Christ's blood on the altar. So, But being a martyr means more than simply being killed because you're a Christian. Uh, and it means more than, than being a priest who is assis- uh, assassinated while saying Mass or saying confession. The priest has a, a special constant teaching—the uh, Church has a special constant teaching regarding martyrdom and, and what's required for it. Uh, it may be common to speak of anyone killed on account of the faith as a martyr, but this is not the Church's understanding. So even so the congregation of the causes of saints during the historical unprecedented wave of canonizations that occurred in the pontificate of John Paul II— became a bit loose in applying the term martyr, and in, and in 2006, Benedict XVI wrote an apostolic letter to the Congregation for the Causes of Saints in which he reemphasized the Church's traditional understanding of what has to happen for a person to be counted as a martyr. And he wrote, The martyrs of the past and those of our time gave and give life. The shedding... Uh, Efusio sanguinis, that's the shedding of blood, freely and consciously in a supreme act of love, witnessing to their faithfulness to Christ, to the gospel of the church. So if the motive that impels them to martyrdom remains unchanged since Christ is their source and their model, then what has changed are the cultural contexts of martyrdom and the strategies ex parte persecutores on the part of the persecutor. So that's where it starts, okay? You're looking at the, the person, the attacker, the persecutor, the suspect, that more and more seldom explicit how their aversion to the Christian faith or to a form of conduct connected with, a, with the Christian virtues but simulate different reasons, for example, of a political or a social nature. It's, of course, it's necessary to, to find irrefutable proof of readiness for martyrdom, such as, outpouring of blood and its acceptance by the victim. And it's also likewise necessary or directly or indirectly, but always in a morally certain way to ascertain the odium fide, the hatred of the faith of the persecutor. If this element is lacking, there would be no true martyrdom according to the perennial theological and juridical doctrine of the church. If he was just a random victim, that wouldn't, that wouldn't uh, suffice. What needs to be established for proof of martyrdom is that, is that uh, the priest voluntarily endured or tolerated death on account of the faith of, of, of Christ. And this could be done in a number of ways. For example, it could be done if, if you're witnessing in the church, if witnesses in the church gave statements saying that in the Father Hamill's case, um, he faced death saying, I accept my death at your hands for the love of Jesus Christ, or just telling the killers, I forgive you. Even apart from such statements, his acceptance of his death for the faith could be established if, if he knew that his parish was likely to be targeted by terrorists and he went about his priestly duties anyway, braving the consequences in order to serve others spiritually. So, however, such proofs have not yet been offered, um, at least in the accounts of the event. So we'll wait and hear and see. Um, we pray for the fathers, the priests anyway, and... Um, Leave it in God's hands and uh, pray for the, the, the persecutor that his heart may be changed. We'll be right back. We are going to talk about a priest in Canada who's at the Chuck Rally. We'll be right back. Don't change that dial. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, 
Dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911, we're back. Round two. Now, um, we're going to be talking about a, a Canadian priest. He calls on the clergy to join the Freedom Convoy and says the church has let us down. We've been saying that for a while now. And uh, in Canada, if you don't know, man, the, the, their prime minister, Trudeau, is, uh, is, is like another uh, Gavin Newsom out here in California. He's uh he's horrible. He's got the uh he's locking down the whole country. Um these these truckers have decided to um just go to the the parliament and uh and, and thousands of truckers have gone there and uh, are are demanding that the the mandates stop the 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 vaccine mandates they have to stop and uh so this is Father Anthony Hannon. You know, he sent a message of support to the Freedom Convoy convoy urging Catholic priests near Ottawa to help and saying that the, the Catholic Church has let us down over COVID mandates. Father uh, made this comments in a short video released as the Freedom Convoy was nearing Ottawa to protest the, the, the COVID-19 injection mandates and demonstrate for freedom. Okay, so um, it's a, it, it, this is all because of Trudeau's liberal government, you know, and uh, they're, they're wanting him to resign. Um or the COVID mandates to, to to be lifted. But Father Hannon urged Canadians not to wait for such an eventuality. We just need everyone to stop complying so it's unenforceable. And I and I have got a caller on the line. He's a, a dear friend of the church of the, of the yeah, dear friend of the church, that's correct, but of the show and a dear friend of mine. He was uh working this weekend with us on the security detail at the conference and we were talking about this incident and I wanted to get his perspective on it. We've got Hector Placencia on the line with us. Hector, are you there? Yeah. Hey, Ruben. How's it going? Very good, man. Thank you so much for your help this weekend and uh, and just uh, your your witness to Christ's love and uh, what He can do in someone's life. And uh, I have tremendous respect for you for the, your, the knowledge of your faith and the practice of your faith, your devotions and and whatnot. So uh, you're you're a force to be reckoned with, Hector. And so I uh, I value your your perspective on this. <clears throat> Uh, what was your take on this uh, article when you when you saw it, Hector? And, and, and wh- well, yeah, no, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Ruben. Really appreciate it. No, the yeah. pleasure was all mine. You know, being uh, being able to be part of uh, the the team and and work mm-hmm. and uh, you know uh, learn something new. So it was really great. Um, well, I did watch the video and I did read the article. Um, a couple of things did stand out to mm-hmm. me, and it's the the biggest one was that you know the the, the priest did call the bishops out and say, hey, you know what, go repent. But um, on that note, that should be everybody there, right? Um, and not to not give people hope. I mean, we are a people of hope, and we should be giving you know people the hope of fighting. But some of these, uh, and this is, of course, my opinion. Um, in my opinion, ever since, you know, all the rallies that led up to the previous presidential elections and the previous recalls and all that stuff, Mm-hmm. I just started noticing the pattern, right? There's a lot of people that, yeah, they're 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 patriotic, they're they're willing to fight and die for their land, but are we really willing to fight and die for our God? Mm. And I think a lot of the Catholics that do go out and support that, yeah, we should we should be praying our rosaries, mm-hmm. you know, going to church and keeping up with the you know uh, the, the sacrament of uh, confession and and uh, you know receiving the Eucharist as much as possible, but uh, we have to start influencing others to do the same because. 
you know, as Scripture says, though, you know, God does not listen to the, the the prayers of the wicked. And I'm not saying that everybody out there is wicked. I'm I'm pretty sure there's a lot of well-intentioned people out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of people out yeah. there, you know, standing out, braving the cold and stuff. But imagine if you could do that in a state of grace, right? And you know, as we know, right. uh, like I said, there's a lot of well-intentioned people. You know, a lot of them probably being Protestants, but uh, you know, as as the church says, you know, extra ecclesia nullum salus, right? So you have to be within the church for your for your work to be meritorious. So, yeah, uh, but I did, you know, the, the, the priest, the priest is, you know, spot on. We have to go out there and support them. And, you know, the one thing of blessing the trucks and blessing the truckers, that's, that's great. But, you know, as, as our, our church teaches that we have to be predisposed to those graces or else, you know, the, uh, the blessings are pretty much, yeah. you know, not as efficacious as they should be right? Uh, because of uh, some of the, uh, you know, some of the uh, the people there, as you can see, uh, some of the previous rallies mm-hmm. were not the people that you would call, quote unquote, conservative or Christian like values like, you know, you and I. Yeah, that's right. And even Father Chad Ripperger talked about that this weekend. He, you know, he says that just like you said, your prayers are not efficacious when you're not in a state of grace. And, uh, you know, I, I've heard another priest call it uh, uh, that you are an aversio adeo. You're an aversion to God. Um, he hears your prayers doesn't mean he's going to act on them because um, your 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 prayers are not meritorious like it says in, uh, in James I believe it's five uh, sixteen or five nineteen uh, one of those he says um, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much so that there's so much there's power in in prayer from from those who are in a right relationship with Jesus you know sacrificing you know praying the rosary going to confession like you, like you mentioned i i agree hector i agree the, the, that we as a as a church need to to do more um on the prayer side of it but also um like saint saint augustine says saint augustine once said he goes pray like everything depends on god and act as if everything depends on you and so I, I think that we can do both. We can do, we, we've got to get back on our knees and uh, prayer, fasting, and uh, and, uh, re, and and just get our lives in order. Start with ourselves, right? We got to look inward and uh, and then uh, we support our, our those that are um, protesting. Um, but that, there's another aspect to it, um, Hector. Uh, and then we talked about this yesterday where it's, there's already problems at the at the grocery stores with the shelves being empty and with the trucks all stopped and uh it's causing more it's more causing more problems for people who who need to get their goods and services so what's your take on that <clears throat> i mean well my take on that is that like i said a lot of these movements you know we we think of a lot of these movements like the ones that are obviously not in line with our line of thinking like i'll say like the BLM or Antifa's right but even some of these, quote unquote, I'll say right wing grifter movements, right, mm-hmm. that happen, a lot of them are aimed or, or are driven and funded by the same people, right? So what's the what's the ultimate cause as the, you know, as the, the Freemasons would say, it, right, order out of chaos. Mm-hmm. So if they're able to stop production, you know, either by truckers not willing to work or not because they don't want to get the jabs, or stop production because the trucker just doesn't want to deliver the goods anymore uh, for whatever reason, you know, whether he is jabbed or not. Well, who, who does that end up hurting? Well, it ends up hurting us, right? I mean, we saw that last year with the Port of Long Beach. 
uh, where a lot of the goods were being held there for months to, I think, even going on a year in some cases, depending on what the product was. Yeah. But now look at the inflation that we're suffering, right? And it just, it just, it's kind of like, um, I gotta say, like the Patriot Act, right? After post, uh, mm-hmm. you know, terrorist bombings in uh, in New York City, uh, what ended up happening from there? We started losing a lot, of, a lot of our freedoms, a lot of our privacies. Right now, a lot of our phone calls are being monitored, our emails, yeah. everything. Now everything's so digitally censored that's real easy to, to to figure out who's who and who's where and what's going on where. So mm-hmm. it's the same thing here. I mean, yes, go ahead. No, this is uh, this is so true. Um, you know, the, what's what was interesting is that it's in Canada. They've got like eighty percent of people are, are vaccinated, and there's a, a and and Trudeau, the prime minister, was was trying to call them out as uh, right wing. You know, um, you know, mm-hmm. supremacists and and and. But it's interesting is that it's there's a a, a good number of. Sikhs that represent uh, this industry. Uh, there's people that have come over from India and uh, migrated there, and uh, they're. I think that it estimates of 150,000 to 200,000 personnel um, make up this industry that are Sikhs. So, so his idea that this is all driven by white, you know, white uh, supremacy and, pay, and racism and, and stuff. Is just completely is off off track there, and uh, well, yeah, I mean he's yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I was just going to say that the the no, no, no. there are allegations that the protest is being hijacked by radical white truckers politically against Trudeau for for causes aside from the vaccine mandates, and they they they've been they've been forced to 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 be jabbed by when they make their trip to the to the states back and forth crossing the border. Uh, you have to have a, a, a proof of vaccine, so that's what they're they're denouncing. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, with, whenever you hear that, you know, quote unquote word, sometimes they are aiming it at the race, but most importantly, when they say like, you know, the white male or the, you know, they're just they're they're trying to take a jab at the patriarchal structure that which which was instituted by you know by God Himself, um, and and when they say you know they're attacking all oh, the the white supremacists and all that stuff. They're really meaning people of faith, and that's just another code word for them to try to get out that's there so and, true. Yeah. and just strike division. Yeah, it's strike division amongst people, right? Because, well, like you said, you know, the the, the gentleman that's talking that that other trucker who was a Sikh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a Sikh, a Sikh uh, he was, you know, he was, you know, trying to help out and stand up for his freedoms. And yeah, you know, people do mean well while they're out there, but you know, we just got to go go back and drive that same point that. Um, I mean, we even saw this with the tennis players just recently, right? Um, and as mm-hmm. you know, Albert Pike, the 33-degree Freemason, said, you know, whenever whenever the people are in need of a hero, we're going to supply them with one. Uh, you know, they're going to just throw out many of these little heroes out there mm-hmm. to go to see. And not not that I, you know, I don't think that you know that the demon is under every rock, but like Father Ripperger said, right? He's every he's under every other rock. So <laughs> that's right. He did say that. <laughs> so. Uh, so it's it's very very uh, telling that these movements, you know, uh, people need to go back first to penance. Like you said, you know, you know, we have to be both, you know, faith and action. Well, faith is an action word, right? But we have to both have our our uh, our spiritual lives in order before we could enact into the physical life, right? And then mm-hmm. Saint Thomas once said, right? Saint Thomas Aquinas, um, his feast day was just the other day, where he said, look, a person who's not in a state of grace, God's not going to hear his prayer unless it's for a call to conversion. 
a call to repentance, a call to come back and uh, uh, supply him with the necessary needs to save his soul. And that's that's a, something that we need to take. Of. And in fact, I'm not trying to create a, a, another crusade or anything like that, but we have to really think that um, just like the integralist position calls out, right? Um, it says that we need to drive faith, culture, and then our politics. Yeah, and, and I do agree with the priest when he says that we we need to stop, um, you know, obeying their their mandates. Stop, you know, yep. wearing our masks. We we saw that this weekend. We saw that this weekend at the at the motel while checking in, Father Ripperger, and uh, well, he's in his collar, so he he he's a little bit more. Um, you know he's visible, so they know who he is, uh, or they know what he does, and so he he complied. He had his mask on, but uh, Kyle, he's a different different character, man. He's from Texas, <laughs> and uh, he <laughs> said, "Nope, not me." So we got him. We, but they lost our business. We went next door, got a different room for him, and all was good. Hey Hector, thank you so much for coming on. I really value your uh, your perspective. Thank you so much. God bless oh, you. Thank you. Ha- have a great day, bud. All right, we'll be back. Coming up about a, a German commandant from Auschwitz, how uh, he finds mercy. You don't want to miss it. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151. Jesus 911. Ruben Naba here, one man car. Jesse is out of. Doing some apostolic work, so we'll see him tomorrow. And uh, I'm just uh, going into a, another story of a commandant of Auschwitz. He found God's mercy. Um, what I what I want to say is that you know, fear has two meanings: it, it face everything and rise, or face everything and run, or, fi- or for, forget everything and run, or face everything and rise. And uh, you know, as Catholic Christians, we have to rise. We have to face everything and and, and rise. In police work, we did that, and um, I mean, you, you might ha- we might take a tactical retreat, but only to reengage. And <clears throat> but it's in the spiritual life, it's the same way. We we have to uh, we trust in God's providence and His and His graces to to get us through something. If He if He sees us to it, He's going to see us through it. Okay, so <clears throat> in this case is uh, a, an evil man. This is there's not not no two ways about it. Uh, it there was a Polish nun that calls him an animal. Like his name was Rudolf Haas, and uh, it, this is a a story of mercy. And um, <clears throat> those who survived Auschwitz, the article says that uh, called the man in charge an animal. Rudolf Haas uh, presided over the extermination of some 2.5 million prisoners in the three years he was commandant of the Auschwitz-Birkenau concentration camp. Another half a million died there from disease and starvation. A year after his tenure came to an end, he returned to oversee the execution of 400,000 Hungarian Jews. And yet, even an animal such as he was not beyond the reach of God's mercy. Uh, so the the lecture, this was from a lecture that some nuns gave. It was a part of a parish's observance of the Jubilee of Mercy, declared by Pope Francis. Uh, Sister Gaudia and Sister Emanuela, members of the Congregation of the Sisters of Our Lady of Mercy, the congregation in which Sister Faustina Kowalska belonged, they they were doing some touring and, and giving some talks on, on mercy. 
and they 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 mentioned this story. So they this is something that happened seventy years ago, and this was in Krakow, and and all of Poland was a very different place than it is today. I think Poland right now, as we we've mentioned in the past, it's probably the most Catholic country out there. And uh, the sister, Sister Gaudia, she spoke of Auschwitz, one of the Nazis' deadliest camps. It uh, with its extensive use of gas chambers and medical experiments. Uh, it's set right in the heart of her country. She said one in six Jews killed in the Holocaust died there. But the camp was not far, was not only for Jews, right? Catholics uh, such as Saints Maximilian Kolbe and Benedict of the Cross, Edith Stein, she's a, a, a convert from Judaism, were, were there as well. So one day... Um, they took the whole community of Jesuits here, Sister Gaudia said. So they took the whole the community of Jesuits priests. The, back, you know, when Jesuits were uh, were still good. <laughs> I, I say that tongue in cheek, but you know, you know, what I'm talking about. Only the superior was was not at home. So the superior of these Jesuits wasn't at home when they rounded them up. They captured them and brought them into the the prison. So, but when he came home, he was in such pain that he said, "I need to be with my brothers." So the religious superior went to the to the prison. Somehow he snuck into the camp and searched for his brother Jesuits. The guards found him, and they took him to Haas. They were totally convinced uh, that he would simply that Haas would simply kill him, right? Without any question, Sister Gaudia said, "But uh, but he let them, but Haas let him go." Much to the guard's surprise. That's interesting. So he lets the leader of these the Jesuits uh, go. And and then after the war, Haas was captured and tried and convicted of crimes against humanity. And so he was sentenced to death. And the execution would be at Auschwitz. Oh, how striking, huh? And um, anyway, one... Uh, one of the deadliest this is one of the deadliest camps right with his extensive use of gas chambers and uh so so Haas is is, is sentenced to die and uh so he were this is where he worked diligently to to implement Hitler's final solution he would be held in, in prison in uh Wadowice, which is of course the birthplace of um Carol Wotila the the future pope John Paul II so Haas was in great fear not of death, but of prison. Sister Gaudia said it was totally convinced that he was totally convinced that the Polish guards would take revenge on him and he would be tortured as long as he was in prison and that it would be unimaginable pain. How great was his surprise when the guards, men whose wives and daughters and sons were killed in Auschwitz, treated him well. He couldn't understand it. It just shows you, you know, which you you can do by the way you treat another person. You don't have to you don't have to like them, but you you have to see them as God sees them. And he's 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 a child of God. Uh, he's not in right relationship with them, obviously, but um, it's not for us to judge. And uh, so they treated him well, and he was so moved by that. That was the moment of his conversion. They treated him mercifully. Uh, the nun said, and so mercy is the love we know we do not deserve. He, you know, he doesn't deserve their forgiveness, their goodness, their gentleness, and he received all of that. So Haas was a cradle Catholic and he had abandoned his faith as a youth. Uh, now he was facing his mortality at age 47 
and perhaps encouraged by the guard's treatment, he asked for a priest. He wanted to confess his sins before he died. So, anyway, so as all this transpired right after the end of the brutal war, when words, wounds were fresh, the guards were, you know, this is, this is all right after having lost all their, their family and, and, and friends and community. So he asked for the priest, and um, the guards went out looking for a priest, but they couldn't. it wasn't easy to find a priest that would, would listen to the confession of Rudolf Haas. They couldn't find one. And then Haas remembered the name of the Jesuit he had let go a few years before, Father Vladislaw Lone. He gave the guards the name and begged them to find him and bring him. And they did find him in the Shrine of Divine Mercy in Krakow. Hmm. How ironic, huh? Where he was the chaplain to the Sisters of Our Lady of Mercy, and he agreed to go hear Haas's confession. It lasted and lasted and lasted, said the, the, the Sister Gaudia. And then he gave him absolution. Your sins are forgiven. R- Rudolf Hals, you animal, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Now, that's, that's probably what the, the, the sister threw in. I don't believe Father Lone would have said that during his absolution. But the sister said that during her, her talk and how she explained it. So the next day, Father Lone went to the prison again to give Haas the Eucharist before he died. And the guard who was present said it was the most beautiful moment, the most beautiful moments in his life, seeing the animal kneeling with tears in his eyes, looking like a little boy and receiving Holy Communion, receiving Jesus with his heart. Unimaginable mercy. Unimaginable mercy. Uh, that That's such a moving story. So, yeah, it, you know, my take is that everyone should should be shown mercy, you know, whether they deserve it or not. But but by definition, it's impossible to deserve mercy when we get what we, we you know. So we get what we deserve. It's called justice. You can demand justice. It's your right. But mercy comes in when justice reaches its end. Mercy is given freely. Mercy is not owed. And it's undeserved grace. And we've all been privy. We've we've all had mercy shown to us, one form or one way or another, one form or fashion. To people in, in ancient cult, uh, cultures, the gods were bullies. You had to placate and suck up to them when things went wrong. You could beg for mercy, but there was no guarantee of the response. But our God, the Christian God, the God of Israel, the God of Isaac, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know. It's not like that. It's not like that at all. You know, he didn't just bend down and show mercy when he felt like it. He showed mercy to be mercy in his essence. Mercy infuses and motivates everything God does. It's in his nature. No matter what, he is mercy. And uh, we talked about he's also justice, but he is mercy. Um, And there's a passage in Luke 7, 6 where where, um, the... uh, the the uh, the Roman centurion he says, "Hey, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I'm not worthy to have you under my roof." Right? We say that at mass. Domine non sum dignus ut interestum take meum satanta de verbo et sanabitur anima me. Lord, I'm not worthy that you come under my roof. Say but the word, my soul shall be healed. 
So those words are spoken by a Roman wealthy Roman centurion. He says, servant was ill and messengers were sent to Jesus to ask that he come and heal the servant. Um, the servant, or excuse me, the, the centurion uh, was deeply sensitive of his unworthiness before Jesus. And as Jesus was arriving, the centurion sent his friends to, to humbly meet, meet and greet Jesus and professed his unworthiness and professed his faith. And Jesus could heal. And, and they asked if Jesus could heal his servant from a distance. So Jesus does just that, stating publicly, I tell you, I, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Luke 7, 9. So one, one profound thing is true. This, the passage reveals is that it's humility. Faith and mercy are all intertwined. The centurion, he, he knew that. He knew that, well, I don't know if he knew that. I shouldn't say that. The centurion knew the humble truth of Jesus' greatness and his own unworthiness. And the humble uh, profession of that truth was an act of great faith on his part. So the results was that mercy was sent forth upon the centurion and his, and his servant. So the example set for us is a powerful one. You think about it. Too often in our life uh, of prayer, we pray as if we, we have a right to God's grace. This, that's, a, that's a mistake. That's a profound mistake. We must seek to follow the centurion's example by understanding that we do not have a right to anything from our Lord. This humble acknowledgement is necessary, and it's the necessary foundation for the reception of the abundant mercy of God. Mercy is a gift, not a right. But the good news is that God's heart burns with desire to pour forth that gift. And, you know, I'll finish up that last, uh, this last thought on the other side of the break. And we'll be talking about a, a police officer who got his justice. You don't want to miss that. Be right back. Now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And uh, just finishing up on this this thought of mercy, that uh, those are inspiring words from the centurion. Lord, I am not worthy. Domine nosum dignus. Say them over and over again and allow them to, to become that, that foundation of your relationship with our Lord. And, and in this, this is humility. You'll be richly blessed. Um, Lord, I'm not worthy. You should come to me. I'm not worthy of the precious gift of Holy Communion, of your mercy in my life. Please, Lord, help me to continually see that all you give is a gift of your unlimited mercy. No, I thank you, dear Lord Jesus. I trust in you. And uh, if we pray like that, uh, you know, you're going to have some powerful prayers. And uh, God is definitely working in your life. So, you know, that, that that's uh, we can learn all learn a lot from from that story of uh, Rudolf Haas and that uh, God's never done with you. You you know, you're not it's not done until that, uh, you know, the general judgment or the you know final judgment where you, when when. Um, you know, you you meet Jesus and and he he tells you he gives you your your sentence right. <clears throat> so anyway, um, I'm going to switch gears and give you some a positive story. But that that was positive too. But this is a, this is a on the natural level. This is really positive here. Um, I didn't hear this in the news. I don't know. Uh, a friend of mine sent this to me, and I'll tell you, I was uh, I was pretty happy 
about this because a lot of us we work in the pro-life movement right we we go and we pray for abortion clinics uh and uh, we try to uh with our prayers, help change the the hearts and the minds of of some of these people that are coming in there to to kill their babies. And there was one such officer in um, different part of the country he was at. He was, um, I believe, it was Louisville, if I'm not mistaken. But um, yeah, it was Louisville, Kentucky. He he was a pro life police officer and. Um, uh, he he was he received he received his justice after being wrongly suspended from his job. What did he do? Well, while off duty, Officer Matthew Schringer was praying outside of a women's surgical center in the city of Louisville, Kentucky. The staff claimed he was imitating. Uh, excuse me. The staff claimed that he was intimidating people by wearing his uniform and gun. So for I I just want to say something for those you know from for out here on the West Coast. You know we're we're all trained that uh, when we go home, our uniforms go off. We 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 don and doff them when we come in and we go home. Um, but I know in other parts of the country is not so. I have family in, as Arkansas Little Rock, uh, Little Rock PD, and they wear their uniforms home, and they're wearing they're driving in their personal cars, and uh, it's just the strangest things. I'm like, aren't you worried that someone's gonna know who you are and take a pot shot at you and it, it's just a different just a different animal you know we're, we're all covert when we go home and uh, we don't tell our neighbors what we do and um but in the the pitch in the video that was showed in this article and if you want to get the article you can go to our show page and read it for yourself and and see the the video officer uh Schrenger, he was on his way to work so he and in black in well it was a white car uh, I was going to say black and white, but it looked like it was an all white police car. Um, so perhaps he had a job where he could take his car home and he was on his way to work. And um, so that after filing a lawsuit, the, uh, the city of Louisville has to pay him $75,000 because they, they, you know, they terminated him. And the city was accused of violating the police officer's constitutional and civil rights on his way to work. He uh, he would stop outside the facility to meet his dad and pray. Isn't that isn't that awesome? He's gonna meet with his dad and pray for this uh, for the hearts and, and the minds of these young women coming in there to be changed and uh, that they may have uh, mercy on their baby and open their heart up to Jesus. So he's praying there in uniform, um, and uh, he was also seen holding a sign. That said, pray to end abortion. Ooh, that's a that's a major violation. You know, can you imagine? But but he was in uniform, um, off duty, and he stopped to pray. And uh, the Thomas More Society defended him. They said the city's quick offer. They made a quick offer to him of the seventy-five grand. Implies that the city knows it committed a significant and inexcusable excusable violation of a loyal officer's constitutional rights. The treatment of Officer Schrenger was particularly galling considering that other Louisville police officers previously had marched while on duty and in uniform in political protests that apparently were approved by the police department. Um, Senior Counsel Matt Heffern with Thomas More Society said Schrenger was treated very differently than others 
who had undeniably engaged in true political protest and activism while participating in LGBT and Black Lives Matter demonstrations. Wow. So that that unfair discipline revealed undeniably the content-based discrimination against Officer Schranger's personal pro-life views and violated his First Amendment rights, Efron stated. And department, you know, uh, I know departments across the country have have policies in place to to prohibit um, police officers uh, from taking political stances while on duty and in uniform. Um, I know our department, LA County Sheriff's, has that. But in this case, this department did not enforce it evenly. And I know that in the recent years, this isn't this wasn't true when I came up, but. And the recent years, they've allowed deputies to walk in the gay pride parade that that were, that supported that, um, or you know, were gay, and they they wore their uniforms. Um, I don't know of anyone who who marched in uniform out here for BLM, and but I'll tell you because uh, I don't think that would I don't think that would go over really well out here. Um, but but in any case, this officer um, he was targeted for his you know, his stance is for his love, uh, for his faith, you know, and, and it's a war on Christians. There's no doubt about that. We are in, in some uh, troubling times. It's a war on, on especially Catholic Christians and that we have to, you know, we have to stand up and fight for our rights and engage in, and, and do the right thing in, in this, in this uh, situation, the Louisville police department was, was way out of line you know, he was, uh, he was, like I said, he was off duty and he was just doing what, uh, a man of, of faith does, you know, man of faith, he, he takes his, his faith seriously. He's going out there and, um, you know, putting his, some faith to some, putting his feet to, to his faith and, um, going out there and do some good, uh, works of, of mercy and and he's praying for those that are uh, about to make a a very a bad decision on on their part that could bring eternal consequences so i just think you know we're 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 in a time now where um we're going to be the we want to be that remnant cuz jesus talked about a remnant and the church is going to get smaller saint ben uh, as pope benedict said and you want to be part of that remnant. You want to be part of that that group. And uh, it's gonna it's gonna be that you got to rise up. You got to rise up in your faith, and uh, get yourself right with God. Turn your life around, and uh, do the right thing. You know, I had a friend all the time. At, at, you know, we say goodbye to each other. He's like, "Do the right thing." I go, "Come on, man. You know, I'm gonna do the right thing." Uh, it's this is a this is a calling, you know. As a Catholic Christian, we're in a battle. We're we're on uh, we're one of God's soldiers, you know. We're we're uh, we're heir to a king. Our 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 Lord is is a king, and um, we uh, are adopted children of God. And uh, like like Scott Hahn said once, uh, see if I get this quote right. He says, "The Son of Man became the." The Son of God became the Son of Man, so that sons of men could become sons of God, and that's that's so true. And uh, you've been empowered by your sacraments, you know, by the by confirmation. You're a soldier of Christ. So what do soldiers do? They they strap up, you know, they put on the full armor of God. They go out there, 
and they they engage in battle and uh you're not you're not just running roughshod and you're not a loose cannon you're not going out there without a team you're going to go out there with you know your brothers and your sisters in Christ and you have the backing of the church and we have to pray for our, our leaders because our leaders are in a dark place right now we we have some problems in the church no doubt about it and even the uh the priest that i mentioned uh in in Ottawa was saying that he that he that the bishops and the priests should be stepping up uh and demonstrating with them and uh we we don't see it here you know we had the lockdowns here in uh in on the west coast and all over the world but you know some of these these blue states are just uh just downright out of control um uh, i'm so glad that i moved out of la county um and uh so going back to the story you know this is uh this is this this officer and it's you know to to be seen like that initially as a young officer i know it's going to be hard oh, to to be seen as someone who's a who oh this this guy's a bible thumper or he's you know this guy's all holy and i mean i used to get that i used to get that from friends saying hey oh there comes father nava here comes you know father ruben or you know and let's say hey watch watch what you're saying and um, so you, you hear those little things, and I didn't let it bother me. You know, um, if they're truly my friends, then they're going to stick with me. And if they they don't, if they they think, okay, well, uh, I'm not I'm not cool anymore, then then they're you know then they weren't true friends anyway. So that's my take on it. And um, but you know, again, we have a lot of first responders that are listening to the show, so. I just want to encourage you, man, to, to stand up for your faith. You know, wear your faith, your faith on your sleeve, man. And just, you know, I, I, I got more respect after I decided to to uh, follow my faith fervently, and and that's what I was looking for. I was looking for just looking for respect and acceptance um, that I was capable not only of doing the job but also of being trusted and being a leader. So. Let's go out there. Let's let's go out there. Be on fire for Jesus, man. You can't be lukewarm. Jesus said, "He'd rather that you be hot or cold, but uh, because you're lukewarm, I'm gonna spit you out." So, let's get out there. Let's do the right thing. Let's let's be on fire for Jesus. Pray that rosary daily, and uh, it, like Father Ripperger said, the Auxilium Christianorum. You want to do that daily, okay? And uh, get on the clock. Prayer at six, twelve, and six. Discipline. Demons hate discipline. So the Angelus, 6, 12, and 6. All right. That's a wrap. I'm 10-7. I'm EOW. Stay tuned for Hands-On Apologetics with Gary Mishuda at the Midwest Command Center. We are done. And uh, Jesse will be back tomorrow. I'll see you on Thursday. God willing. Keep the faith. <laughs>